The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello there, I'm Austin Bristow, and you're listening to On The List. For episode 26 on Thursday, May 27th, I'm joined by Pitchless Manager Rick Graham. Rick, thanks for joining me. Hey, Austin. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, for those of you listening, each week I am joined by a writer from the Pitchless staff. We like to talk baseball, what they've been working on recently, and we do a mailbag session at the end where we answer your questions. You can send those questions directly to me on Twitter. I am at Bristowski, and the show Twitter for On The List is at OnTheListPL. Even easier, you can get those questions over to us on our PL Plus Discord server. I ask for them every week when I am announcing who our guest will be. Now, Rick, where can the people find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at I am Rick Graham on Twitter. That works. That is very Very straightforward. (laughs) I am Rick Graham. I love it. Well, Rick, you and I have worked together for quite some time now. You've been here longer than I have even. Uh, You've been here since nearly the very beginning. Isn't that right? Something along the lines of 2015? Uh, I think it was 16, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been about it's been five years, which is crazy to think about. <laughs> it really is. And so, okay. you are our resident uh, kind of relief pitcher specialist. You even you know leading your own team nowadays, managing them on making sure our content on the relief core is all set and as good as it can be. So. You and I have had a few conversations over the years about, hey, um, is this reliever actually good or uh, is he going to get any save chances? So it's nice to finally be able to actually get you on the show and have a proper conversation. Yeah, for sure. I, I, it's been a while. It's been too long. Yeah, it's good, it's good to finally be on here. Well, you know what? I like to start these off nice and easy. So why don't you go ahead, real open-ended question here. Just tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So I'm from the Boston area and still live in the Boston area. And, you know, yeah, it's been with Petrolis for five years, which is crazy to think about. I think I think we were at like 10, 10 people on the staff back then. So it's really come a long ways. And yeah, Nick and Alex have done a fantastic job. Um, but yeah, before before Petrolis, I was I was working for a college baseball program and then 
before that I was actually playing. So I've always kind of been involved in baseball at some level uh, my whole life. So it's it's you know it's great to still still be involved somehow. Um, I actually happened to play against Nick in college, but unfortunately he didn't pitch that game, which I guess is fortunate for him. But <laughs> <laughs> unfortunate. <That's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. that you and Nick had you know played in the same area. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, our t- our schools only faced each other once, unfortunately. But it was actually the, the day we did play them. I my friend was pitching for that's kind of how I met Nick was through a mutual friend and my friend was pitching that game and that was one of my better games that year which which felt good going against one of my high school friends and what position did you play in college I played mostly outfield uh, moved to first base a little bit uh, towards the last last year I was there nice. but uh yeah mostly outfield yeah very nice yeah I uh I am one of the few people, I think, on the staff that really never played baseball. Um, just, you know, grew up with an appreciation for it sort of sure, thing more sure. than I more than I was actually, you know, physically involved. <laughs> I'm the true armchair manager. Hey, it's, yeah, I mean, I feel the way the game's changing now, there's a lot. I mean, people from all sorts of backgrounds are getting into the sport and doesn't really matter if you play as long as you're you know into it for sure absolutely yeah so being from the boston area i have to assume that you are a red sox fan am i right you're right i'm i'm still a red sox fan um but i like nowadays i kind of watch more random baseball it really depends on the pitching matchup sometimes or certain games but I, i mean i do watch if i'll watch the red sox games you know when there when there's nothing there aren't any other like extremely good pitching matchups on um and they've been fun to watch this year it's definitely better than last year and i think by september they'll they'll be in you know they'll be competing for the division but that will say they've been more lucky than a lot of other teams when it comes to injuries because i don't know if that pitching staff will if they lose one or two starters i think things might unravel (laughs) Yeah, Boston has certainly gotten off to a hot start. I mean, the offense has been awesome. J.D. Martinez back in his, you know, all-star form. Rafael Devers and Bogarts are both great as well. That's a pretty solid start. Now that you're getting Verdugo to actually kind of break out a bit, you kind of see in return on the Mookie Betts deal, which is, you know, something. Yeah, it's... Yeah, we got something out of it, at least. And hopefully, you know, maybe Jeter Downs can come up at the end of the year and make an impact, too. So, yeah, their offense will be fine. I'm not worried about that. Their offense should should be the top of the league. For sure. Now, I'm trying to remember. Chris Sale is due back sometime, I think, around, like, July or August, maybe, is the idea. That Yeah, that sounds right. But you never know with those things. That's that's just kind of like an extra. It, it, you take what you can get from him. It's like we saw with Syndergaard recently. I mean, you never know coming back from that that surgery what what's going to happen. Especially your first year back, it's usually dicey. So yeah, if he can give them you know like six starts at the end of the year that would be you know icing on the cake yeah and maybe he's available to do uh to start in the playoffs would be 
awesome for you guys yep. if he's still, you know, at his form. Um, but yeah, we got news. I think I believe it was just yesterday that's a uh, Cindergard has been shut down with elbow soreness. So mm. at least another six weeks, I think they said before he's gonna throw a baseball again, which is brutal for Mets fans that have already been that had that <laughs> absolutely decimated by injuries. It's I, crazy to me. Yeah, that, I can't remember anything like that ever. <laughs> the way that everyone in that lineup has gone down, the pitchers have it's. The, the only thing I remember that's even similar is when their crosstown rivals, the Yankees, had mm. something like that. I believe it was back in like seventeen, eighteen, and then it was a meme forever about the uh, the Yankees training staff just <laughs> being gross. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Red Sox uh, pitching staff starting rotation is not. Um, traditionally fantastic it is not <laughs> i don't think i had taken a look at it since the season started but it's uh Ivaldi, eduardo rodriguez garrett richards who's been pretty solid surprisingly yeah. nick pavetta and martin <laughs> perez who's also been pretty good yeah so, I was gonna say those, those bottom three have kind of surprised and like they've held the thing they've held things together you know perez richards and pavetta so as long as they keep going, yeah, I mean, this team's going to contend. Yeah, it, it could be could be quite interesting. I heard actually recently that they're looking to stretch out Garrett Whitlock as well. Ooh, I would, yeah, I would love to see that. I love his, as I've been following him as the reliever guy too, and I think they need to find a role for him that's more. They're kind of using him in a multi-inning. He's not really a setup guy, but he's, I mean, he's probably. Maybe Ottavino's better than him right now, but he should be in the setup mix behind Barnes and Ottavino. So, I mean, he, he was brought up as a starter, so if they want to stretch him out, that would be awesome as well. I just want to see some like a, be- a bigger role for him. I think he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, in 2019, when he was uh, still with the Yankees before you guys were able to acquire him through the Rule 5 draft, um, he pitched... 70 and a third innings with 57 strikeouts and a 307 ERA, 129 whip in double A for the Yankees. So nothing, yeah. nothing magnificent, but that's solid. Um, and it's, I mean, I think he's certainly grown into a better pitcher since then. Uh, his, uh, his numbers this year are much better with that 185 <laughs> ERA, 103 whip. 26% K rate so far. Like he's definitely kind of been a big piece for you guys this year. Kind of surprisingly too. Yeah. I think he came back from, I forget when he had Tommy John too. I think it was, I think he missed all of last year with Tommy John. Now. Yeah. It's surprising to see what, especially from a real five guy that, you know, he's been so effective out of the bullpen for them. He's got a, a just disgusting change up. That's like his bread and butter pitch. And you know, I don't know. That's why I think I, he might be more of a fastball changeup guy. So maybe he's better in the pen. But I mean, maybe he can add like a little slider or cutter to, to you know, that repertoire and become a really good, you know, third, fourth starter. Maybe could be interesting. I'll definitely be 
keeping an eye on that because I think there's a lot of guys who, you know, get their start in the bullpen. And we've seen guys like Corbin Burns even uh, where they go to the bullpen, get more velocity or more or get more, you know, stronger stuff, more movement. And then when they shift to the starting role, they're able to keep a lot of that, if not all of it. So it's an interesting, um, he's got an interesting repertoire. Like you said, he doesn't really have that third pitch, but if he can find anything like a show me something that I think he could be, uh, an interesting option. As you said, their, their rotation at the moment is not anything to write home about. They're performing well, but for how long, I think, is the question that a lot of people are wondering. So it's definitely nice to kind of at least be able to think that that could be a fallback for the Red Sox as they move into yeah. summer. For sure. I, You know, Tanner Houck might come up too. So I don't know. I haven't really been checking in and see how he's been performing or if he's been pitching yet up in uh, Worcester. I almost just said Patuck and I forgot to move to Worcester for a second. Um, but, um, yeah, like outside of Houck and maybe Whit- Whitlock moving into the rotation, it's there's not a ton of options there in the farm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now. And Houck has made one appearance so far this year. Uh mm. And he has had a little bit of an elbow thing going on. That yeah. if they've had him kind of on the on the sidelines. The only other pitcher that I see as maybe relevant is Connor Siebold, who has yeah. not actually started yet. He's also apparently got an elbow thing going on. <laughs> uh, that's the other. That was the other piece in the him and Pavetta came over for Brandon Workman last year, which right. clearly looks. That trade's definitely worked out, but it'd be nice to see Seabold, you know, get some action later in the year. For sure, for sure. Now, growing up as a uh, Red Sox fan, you've had quite a few options as far as superstars to have as your, you know, favorite player of all time. Who's uh, who's someone that has stood out for you and been your the guy you've gravitated towards? So I've kind of have two here. One, one's a pitcher, one's a hitter. But I would say if I had to pick one, it would definitely be Pedro. Um, I mean, he just dominated such a hitter-friendly era of baseball like no other pitcher did. And just such a competitor. I mean, the, the 1999 All-Star Game sticks out. That's still one of my favorite baseball moments. Um, you know, Him coming out of the bullpen in Game 5 of the ALDS when he was – you know, nursing an arm injury and just shut down Cleveland for like, I think it was five innings. Yeah. Um, and then a, like a kind of lesser known moment with him was he threw a one hitter against the Rays, but the first batter of the game, he hit, he hit Gerald Williams and Williams charged them. It was a one, two pitch. I don't know. He like Pedro wasn't trying to hit him, but Williams anyway, charged the mound and like this whole brawl all ensued of like, I think eight guys total got thrown out, but Pedro stayed wow. in the game and ended up throwing a one hitter after that. It's like 13 Ks, just unreal. Um, yeah, he's just—he's such a legend. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also like—I mean, it's a bit controversial, but Manny Ramirez was one of my favorite, my favorite hitter of all time. Just from a, his swing was just so from a right side. I don't like—I think he's got 
to me at least the best right-handed swing um that i've seen just so pretty especially when he was you know when he was locked in and hitting home runs like to right field it just like he would he could hit i mean when he was locked in he was hitting anything out of the park at you know and i know a lot of that has to do with, <laughs> with what he was taking but even without that he his swing was just so pretty and you know he people gave him a lot of flack for kind of being goofy but like you know you hear from his teammates that like no one worked harder than him he was in the cages longer than anyone else like he was there first every day like he he worked hard he competed and he just liked to have fun and, and i think maybe that's a little before his time because you know the game's starting to branch out and we're starting to allow you know guys to have fun which it's it's a you know they're playing a game and they should be having fun so yeah and man he was one of my favorite hitters yeah i mean hard not to uh hard not to appreciate pedro and manny when you're growing up watching the red sox they're two of the all-time greats in boston that's pretty fantastic options (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean there's i I was gonna say there's also i mean obviously ortiz i have respect for that, for him and what he's done for the city um pedroia guys like that but yeah yeah manny and pedro are the two that stick out that's fair i mean yeah you and i both uh you know in the 90s are kind of spoiled as far as the, the, the yeah. stars that we had in boston and atlanta respectively so good oh, stuff yeah, yeah, all around it. Now, let's talk about more of your like fantasy baseball uh, career here. What kind of leagues do you like to play in? What's your favorite type of league? How many are you working in right now? Things like that. Uh, so I'm currently in six leagues, which I I think it might be one too many for because <laughs> I, I you can do you can always there's always room for more leagues, but I like to have you know be able to like give it you know spend enough attention to each league so I'm not falling out of it or so i think i think five is a good number but um yeah i'm i'm in the i'm in a dynasty league that's been going on for seven years now which is super fun um highly recommend that for anyone who hasn't tried a dynasty league yet um my home league is actually it's a points league where uh pitching is very hot commodity and it's super hard to come by so you know you'd be down a couple of points on sunday and you'll have to pick up you know jordan lyles to to like stream and hope he gets you like 10 points and it's just it makes it makes the sunday it makes sundays really interesting because you're streaming these guys that like shouldn't be you know that shouldn't be rostered it's like one one percent rostered yeah he's oh on he's, he's pitching for me today <laughs> oh those are always stressful oh, oh yeah it, and it can go either way because sometimes those guys will give you you know 12 15 points sometimes you're gonna get negative 10 so makes it interesting that's awesome, and then of course you got the pitcher list leagues. You've you and I have played against each yeah. other for the past two years in the the uh, staff legacy league. And I correct me if I'm wrong. You've been in the uh, championship week the last two years in a row. Yes. Um, yeah, one in 2019 and lost to, to uh, John Metzler last year. Yeah, it's been you and Metzelar two years yeah, in a row, which is yeah. which is dumb. <laughs> yeah, you you ended up uh, winning it once, so that was great. Yeah, I, I got one I got one crack and under my belt. Um, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for those who know that reference, but um, yeah, it's and I was looking at it this year. I just noticed this year how close, how bunched the standings are this year. It's crazy. I think at least 
like looking at it last week, everyone was in, with it within like a game or two, one one through twelve. So it's kind of like I, I don't have any other leagues that are like this close and bunched up. So it's really, you know, people are really, you know, getting after it this year in that league. Yeah, there's a there's only one team after seven weeks. There's only one team that has five or more wins. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the bends. I can't keep them straight. Which whose team is whose? It's whoever has Tuke Nukem, which is a great team name. It is. Um, and then the worst record is just uh, has two wins, four losses, and one uh, one tie. That's miles at this point. Everyone else is kind of right in the middle. Um, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, like you said, it's been it's been tight up in the Legacy League this year. For real, it's and actually speaking of Miles, too, one of the other leagues I, I joined this year was the uh, he he runs that industry league of leagues thing where it's yeah baseball, football, football and basketball, which I I haven't done a fantasy basketball league in a while, so that's going to be interesting. But it's, it's it's a very interesting experience, and I've, I I like the overall like standings aspect of it, and um. I'm doing well in baseball, and hopefully that's gonna. I'm gonna need that because I don't know what's gonna happen with football and basketball. Definitely not my strong suits. <laughs> I I thought about just jumping into that and doing my best, which I thought would have been a little funny, mostly because I could not tell you the last time I watched a an NBA or NFL game that wasn't the Super Bowl. Um, okay. I can name most of the teams in their, those two leagues. Uh, if you ask me to name all the cities that are uh, that those teams go to, I would struggle. But like, yeah, it's I, I do not know anything about NBA or NFL stuff like that. So that it would have been very much a uh, a comedic thing more than anything else, <laughs> as I would have just tried to dominate baseball and give it my best as far as the other two went. yeah just that's kind of how i'm going at it i i follow basketball but i don't have fantasy basketball as a whole other you know realm than just follow like having an idea of oh i know who lebron james is and uh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> yeah now i did want to circle back real quick to the legacy league um so for those of you who don't know uh, Jonathan Metzelar is notorious for, in that league for using so many transactions. Uh, I think it was last year or the year before where we finally put a cap on weekly transactions because uh, I think it was in 19, the year that yep. – that, uh, you, you did win it in 19, right? I did, but that championship week, I, I think he added maybe like – 20 something players or something he was just he is he will (laughs) without a cap i think he ran it up to like 200 some transactions in the year and we had to at that we had to say john first how do you have this much time on your hands second are you okay third (laughs) We're gonna have to do a transaction limit, buddy, because this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I've never seen anything like that, but it works. It does. So far this year, he is still leading in transactions. He has 54 so far this year, and do you know who has the second most? Ooh, could be me. I've been I've been moving around my pitching staff. I mean, I don't know. It is you. You have it is. 40, yeah, I was gonna say you have forty two to his fifty four. So you're not That's too still far behind difference. him. Yeah. Right. Uh, and do you know who has the least out of everyone so far this year? Ooh. Is it you? <laughs> it is me. Yeah. I, I have had seven transactions so far. Oh, wow. I, I'm i pretty satisfied with my team for the most part, so I haven't yeah. had to move too many players around. i gotten kind of lucky on a lot of my, my draft picks and things like that, and I've mostly been grabbing a pitcher to swap in here or there i made we've only had one trade so far that miles and i made so that was one of my seven transactions there we swapped oh, that's right yeah we recently last week we swapped yeah. uh i got christian yelich he got jack flaherty so love that uh the superstar pitcher for a superstar hitter type move I mean, I had I had double aces in Darvish and Flaherty. My yeah. outfield was looking rough. My outfield prior to adding Yelich was, uh, let's see, Andrew Benintendi, uh, Michael Brantley, and Cedric Mullins. <laughs> that is yeah. That is could not use, great. Could use a little uh, a little little punch there. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully Yelich gets himself healthy. And we can yeah. uh, be able to help my team out quite a bit as far as that goes. But yeah, Legacy yeah. League is always a good time. I put way too much thought and effort into it <laughs> because I really hate losing to you guys. That's the thing. It's like I I, I think I fell. I was like oh two and one to start. I'm like I'm, I was started panic. I'm like I'm gonna get demoted. I can't get demoted. I I, can't, I get I can't I gotta I gotta you know do something here. So I. Just I've been making like all sorts of moves from the pitching staff because I mean I was relying on Maeda to be my 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 ace and Oof. that didn't didn't pan out so yeah that did not yeah for those of you uh, for those of you who don't know the bottom three in the legacy league actually get demoted down to the next level we've got like seven tiered yeah. leagues now or something like that so the bottom three get bumped down to the prodigy league. Um, I think that's how it's going to work is just straight down. But, uh, yeah, that is terrifying because <laughs> now that we're at the top, we really, yep. really, really want to stay. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially you who's been in the championship past two years running. So yeah, it's, it's, it is stressful when you're not doing well in this league, you really get kind of scared as of now. Uh, the, if you go strictly by the standings, uh, it has Miles, Nick, and Alex at the bottom. <laughs> if both, <laughs> if both Nick and Fast got demoted, that would be amazing and hilarious. Oh, that would be that. <laughs> how do we? Yeah, I don't know how we. <laughs> how do we go on? How do we move on from that? Uh, we 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 <laughs> laugh a lot. And then we welcome whoever moves up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all you can do, I guess. Yeah. 
Yep, have oh. have someone else run the leagues. I think I think <laughs> Nick has been uh, commissioner of this league since it's kind yeah. of been around. So we'd have to have I don't know Palmer would maybe I don't know someone. Yeah, we'll, we'll find someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about now your some of your time with Pitcher List. You know, like you said, you've been here for five years now. One of the longest tenured members on the staff is there any article or project or anything like that that you've worked on that you've been particularly proud of in that time um you know i think like kind of the coming together of the reliever team and our whole our daily bullpen depth chart has been you know a great addition and a fun project to work on i i know me and nick have kind of been like kicked the idea like back and forth for a few years and then finally last year we were like all right let's 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 do it and it's it's been you know it's been great so far you know we're still working and tweaking things but it's been a fun project and great it's definitely a great tool for those of you out there you know looking to stream relievers you know the the john metzlers of the world who are just streaming guys (laughs) every day (laughs) but um yeah i and the team has done such a great job with this so far i I can't you know thank them enough they've been great so yeah i think that's been one of the that's you know one of the more recent things that i'm you know really excited about yeah it's it's truly just very impressive what you and your team have come together with so basically for those of you who haven't seen it yet they have a row for every team all 30 teams and then the columns represent who is that team's closer setup some holds options bulk relievers and who is injured right now they talk about, you know, if someone blew a save and what that means, might they lose their role, stuff like that. Any upcoming changes that they can foresee. They even they even have it color-coded to know if a guy needs a day off because he's pitched a few days in a row. It's really impressive. And like you said, it's published every morning. Yeah, that's the... It's been like it's out there i think it's out by 10 o'clock 10 a.m eastern time every morning so if you're in a daily league where you can you know make instant roster additions and like you see someone you know see a closer's red and you're trying to get trying to steal a save you can pick up you know the next guy in line and try to try to vulture a save there yeah it's it's very impressive i imagine this is probably something that uh, Metzelar, with apparently all the time in the world on his hands, is reading each morning so that he can he can <laughs> throw together some kind of relief staff in the Legacy League. I, you know what's funny, too? Because every time I go to look to see in, the, in our Legacy League if there's a reliever available... He had, I don't, he had, I think he, I gotta look at his roster. I think he's got like five or six relievers right now. And like, that's <laughs> always guys. I'm like, oh, he's probably available. No one's gonna, no one's gonna have him rostered yet. Oh. Oh, John's of course, got him. <laughs> of course, John's got him. Yeah, he's got uh, on his team right now, uh, Stillmont, Romano. Uh, let's see, Antone, yeah. Peterson, Soria. So he's he's got quite a few. Yeah, and it's yeah, like you said, it's a lot of guys you wouldn't think. No, it's well, he's he's going so. I, earlier in the year, we had um, you know Miles podcasts where we debate the, the um, debate topics, and he took the side of 
not paying up for a closer and he's sticking to that very well in this in this league by not didn't really pay up for a closer and he's just you know picking guys off the white the white uh waivers so it's working <laughs> i very much attempted to do the same thing i in the mid to late rounds grab guys like giovanni gallegos and devin mm-hmm. williams and uh, chris martin from the braves thinking you know what these guys are all like second in line sort of thing maybe there'll be an injury maybe you know that milwaukee will end up trading away their guy here and i'll get some saves it'll be great i think yep. <laughs> uh recently uh jr Kane's one of our um data guys here pitcher list he made a an overall standings board with every uh staff league uh, I was looking, and um, I am, I think, like third to last in saves. I think I've got five total <laughs> saves this year. I, like I said, it just yeah, wasn't it's... a priority of mine. And it, luckily, I was able to pick up Tyler Rogers, and he's been able to get me some. But uh, otherwise, those are my yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's, but it shows that. I mean, when I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later. Um, yeah, you you can survive that way. You don't necessarily need to, you know, pick up every te- like if the like you don't have to pick up every team's closer or there are some like Stefan Crichton uh, is a closer and like I don't just because he's getting a save every now and then I don't think he needs to be rostered. <laughs> yeah, it's there's 30 guys who are going to be getting saves regularly. There are not 30 guys that are, you know, yeah. fantasy league, 12 team rosterable sort of thing. For sure. Well, how about outside of the baseball realm? What kind of stuff do you like to do, you know, as far as hobbies or your your work or anything else like that? What, can, what do you do outside of the baseball stuffs? Um, I, don't even, I don't even know what I do outside of baseball anymore. <laughs> I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been playing between fantasy baseball and like playing i've been getting heavily into mlb the show this year which is kind of a first but i mean game's really addicting um but yeah i mean i follow like all the boston sports teams pretty closely so i'm excited about the bruins and their playoff chances um the celtics probably will be eliminated by the time this podcast airs so (laughs) (laughs) don't not i mean yeah not worried about them but um yeah, I mean, COVID's obviously, you know, the past year plus, it's kind of limited uh, things to do. But I am definitely looking forward to seeing uh, some concerts again and seeing some live music because it's been way too long. So I've been kind of looking around and there's some like concerts in September maybe. But, you know, I don't even care who I see at this point. <laughs> I just want to be outside, listen to some live music, kind of. I very much get that. Uh, what's the best yeah. concert you've ever been to? Ooh, best concert. Um, I would say in my younger day, my younger days when I was in like high school, I saw Pearl Jam. That was an awesome show. But um, more recently, I've, I saw Queens of the Stone Age um, in Boston a couple years ago, and that was oh, that was an awesome show as well. Nice. One of my favorite bands. So yeah. Nice. I, uh, it's been when too I was, 
when I was in college, I went up to Chicago to the, one of the big old amphitheaters up there, just and saw an outdoor performance. Uh, it was Ed Sheeran with uh, Passenger opening up, two of my oh. all-time favorites, and so I was. It was a great time. They both put on a really good show. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, I uh, there's a lot of things I miss from yeah. COVID. I'm really hoping um, to get back and actually go to a baseball game or two this year. There's so many good minor league teams around me in North Carolina. My wife and I are talking oh, yeah. about uh, taking a trip in August to Philadelphia, maybe. Uh, and so I might go see a Phillies game. I've never been to Citizens Bank Park, so that would be another one to check off my list. I was in Philly a couple of years ago, and we were only there. It was, it was a recruiting trip, actually. coaching. We were we were right next to the stadium, and we're like, let's just let's go to the game tonight. We didn't end up going, and I'm kicking. It's a it's a it's a cool it's a very cool like spot because you got you know like all the Philly sports like stadiums are right there, right in downtown, the same spot, and it's a cool, cool really cool area. And yeah, I'm kicking myself that we never didn't end up going to a game that day. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm trying to make my way through each of the stadiums, and uh, someday I'm gonna have to get up to Boston. I've done mm-hmm. Wrigley many a time in my life growing up in Illinois, but you know Fenway is a beast in and of itself. So, someday. yeah, for sure, it's definitely definitely worth worth the uh, the trip. Yeah, but I, I'm the same way. I kind of wanna. I'm me and my friends have talked about you know doing like a trip from. Even if we went like there's like eight ballparks from here to like Pittsburgh where we could hit up, which are, like isn't too bad of a you know little road trip. So I've only been to Fenway, and I went to a game at the old um, stadium in Texas a couple of years ago, right mm. the year or yeah the year before the this new stadium came out. So those are the only places I've actually seen a major league baseball game. Oh wow. I think at this point I'm at like 12 that I've done. Um, I I also was able to get one at Old Globe Life Field before. Yeah. Now it's like Globe Life Park. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, yeah. Good job on the naming there, guys. <laughs> yeah, I was able to get one of those. Yes, get a game there in uh, 2014, 13, something like that. No. No, it was like 2017. 17, that's what it was. Okay. Um, I've seen games at both the Atlanta stadiums and mm-hmm. Turner and now Truist. So it, I the, the biggest thing for me is I've never been west of Arlington. That trip down to Texas was the furthest west I've ever been. Yeah. And so I, I need to go further out west to get games because there's like what – six mlb parks in california or something like yeah that. oh yeah they have the whole west coast and then you go up to seattle come back down to arizona yeah I ha- i'm the same with you i haven't been west of arlington as well texas is the farthest i've been so yeah <laughs> one, of days, west. one of these yeah. days man one of these days i know well all right now i can't have rick graham on my show without going and talking about relievers. It's just what you do. You got Rick Graham, you talk relievers. So I want to have a chat with you, just kind of your thoughts on where the 
role of relief pitchers stand nowadays? We've seen a pretty drastic shift the past 10 years or so, past 10, 20 years, away from your lockdown closers. We've seen guys that have turned into long men. I I remember you know Chris Davinsky being one of the first one that was you know two three innings of dominant baseball. Chris Davinsky and Chad Green I think were two of the first big <laughs> yeah. ones there. Um, and then of course the Rays have popularized the opener in recent years. And so the the role of a reliever has changed quite a bit, even just since you've joined the staff. So I guess, what are your thoughts on where the reliever stands in today's baseball environment? Well, I I mean, I think teams are always, especially nowadays with the, the, you know, stat cast era and how analytics are taking such a huge part in, you know, how teams construct their roster and you see with the Rays. So it's, you know, teams are always looking for a competitive advantage and it's definitely, it's why it might have some sort of, you know, negative effect in the fantasy baseball realm of things. I think for the game of baseball, like the whole opener, the, the way the Rays go about their, you know, how they use their pitchers, it's, kind of annoying but hey it's look at their record and you know like that's not going to go away anytime soon so it's you know it's good for the game for teams like the Rays to to you know be competitive they're not just trying to even having a low payroll they're not just trying to mail it in every year they're competing finding different ways to do it um i wish there was a way to come up with like a a stat to you know how like you know starters have qual um, quality starts. I wish there was like a quality reliever stat we could start using for you know like some of these middle relievers that don't get and don't get necessarily the you know the love that they deserve. The Chad Greens, the Giovanni Gallegos, the world like they should probably I like just because of how you know effective they are in real life and how much value they have in real life. I feel like it's we need to find a way to get them more, you know, give them more value in a fantasy, you know, the fantasy world. So yeah, it's, you know, the traditional closer, I'm not, I mean, it's probably for the best that teams go, you know, play the matchups. It makes sense to, if you have three lefties coming up in the ninth, like let's get our best lefty, you know, pitching that inning, not just our closer, unless you have, you know, there are certain guys, the Josh Hader, Chapman's, you know, Kenley's been having a good year. Like those guys who are just, you know, nails in the ninth inning and like set it and forget it. They're they're closing out the game, but it's not for every team. And I think we have to realize that instead of you know getting all upset and grumpy, like oh why aren't they playing? Why aren't they using a traditional closer? Like let's find ways to you know embrace that and kind of evolve the relief pitcher role especially in, in, in fantasy baseball terms i think yeah i think that's really well said and one thing i thought was super interesting from what you said there uh coming up with some kind of stat akin to quality starts like quality mm-hmm. relief outing and honestly 
I want to take a moment to kind of, you know, brainstorm and workshop that idea. Because I think that's super viable and could revolutionize fantasy baseball. I think that could be if 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 we keep moving away from the traditional save uh, mm-hmm. as, you know, real baseball uh, moves away from one guy getting saves in their lineup. I, can, I know that saves plus holds leagues have really... Uh, kind of taken off, but I think a quality relief outing could be something that a lot of fantasy players w- might be interested in. So let's think about yeah. it for a moment. I think <laughs> it would have to be like one inning at least, one plus inning, yeah. zero earned runs. I, th- I don't think you can give up any any earned runs to have a quality yeah. relief outing. Do you have to have? I think it's. I think it's got to be enough like a low enough whip as well yeah I don't think you necessarily need strikeouts but i think you got you have to you no. have to uh avoid base runners i think what i i had kind of because i've been interested in this idea too so i was toying with it a little bit so i think you have to have basically per how many batters you get out so how many innings you pitch like if you if you only throw one inning, you have to have no more than one base runner. So if you allow two base runners, that's where it's like, you know, you're, you're starting to you, someone's gonna that essentially is putting someone you know in scoring position, and you're not totally being effective, and especially if it's like a one run game. Um, so I was thinking like yeah, something like a whip under, a whip know, under one basically. Yeah, essentially. So if you go like one and two-thirds and you let up a hit and a walk like that's still pretty effective as long as no one scored you know Mm -hmm. honestly i could see just those three things if you have at least three you get at least three outs yeah zero earned runs and a whip under one for that outing that is a quality relief outing that seems pretty simple and pretty yeah logical (laughs) like that's i mean because there are there are flaws with the save hold league type thing too. So it's why come up with something different, I think would be a nice alternative. Honestly, I really want to play test this. I want to (laughs) throw this into one of my leagues next year and see if, see if it's possible first off, even to to put it in, I don't know, maybe, (laughs) maybe CBS or uh, maybe fan tracks can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Those those get super editable. We'll call it the QRO, the quality relief outing. That's a nice, unique acronym there. It's it, like I said, it's very simple, but I think it gets the point across. You're you're going out, you're doing your job of getting an inning, not letting up any runs, and you're avoiding having base runners. Exactly. Yeah. Um, maybe you could put something into with our, maybe like inherited runners, something involved with that, but that might get a little get a little dicey, yeah, confusing <laughs> for sure. Uh, I think there's, yeah, it's, this is still, honestly, it's far from perfect, of mm-hmm. course, but I think this, something like this could be very good for the game of fantasy baseball, because like you said, saves plus holds is not ideal, because um, that, those inherently are team-based things where you have to, your team has to be winning. Uh, yeah. which I guess the win is as well. But if we're, if we're trying to make something more akin to the quality start, yes, then this, 
would not have anything to do with how many runs your offense has scored. It's just what the relief pitcher himself is going out and doing as he how how well he performs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, irrelevant it, to what his team has done around him. Exactly, exactly. Because I know like the, the Pirates come to mind because there's some good relievers in that bullpen right now, like David Bednar, uh, Sam Howard, but like they just they're so so hard to get holds or even Richard Rodriguez. I mean, it's just so hard to get saves or holds there because they don't win, but those guys are still going out. Maybe they're down a run. They're still like, you know, or maybe it's even a tie game. They're still going out and putting up like good outings and not getting rewarded and save holds leagues for that. So yeah, yeah it, would, it would be nice to see an alternative. I didn't realize Bednar, Bednar has a uh, 33% strikeout rate. Wow. Yeah. He's, he started off slow, but like this month, he's been on a tear, just strikeouts, not letting up runs, hits. Sam Howard he's has a, a 40% strikeout rate. Yeah, he's got crazy whiff numbers. Yeah, his slider I'm is saying, like that, wild. Yeah, like that. those two guys and Rodriguez, like that's a pretty good bullpen. And like their value isn't really shown by like that because they don't they don't get the saves and holds like, you know, guys in the Dodgers do like Blake Trinan or yeah. So yeah, it's, be... it's definitely interesting. Like I said, I think, I think this would be super interesting to play test. See if there is a group of group of fantasy baseball players that'd be interested in doing it. Seeing if we can find a way to get it into a actual, you know, fantasy baseball provider system. Mm-hmm. And go from there because, yeah, like I said, it's super interesting. Just another reason that PitcherList needs to work on our own fantasy baseball <laughs> yes. site, so that we people can play Intent. instead of on ESPN or Yahoo, they can play on PitcherList. It'll be great. PitcherList seven point <laughs> Exactly. I th- honestly, I I think this idea has been thrown around. It's it just so hard to do it. I think eventually we might get there. Like yeah. you've you've been here for five years, and look how far we've come. I mean, five oh, yeah. years from now, who knows? Even yeah, maybe not even at five. I mean, I didn't think we'd ever have like the stats leaderboards that we have like currently, yeah. or you know, yeah, the player pages. Like that was never on my mind five years ago. So <laughs> you know, and Lord we'll, we'll knows. See. Lord knows Nick and Alex aren't going to slow down anytime soon. No, no. Definitely not. This is, I I mean, it's, is it a long shot? (laughs) Yeah. Is it possible? Sure. So if, 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 and when pitcher list has a fantasy baseball provider, we will make sure something along the lines of QRO is available. Definitely. I think, yeah, that's an interesting way to kind of make, our platform a little bit, you know, unique and different from the others. <laughs> Give you a QRO option. Sounds good to me. Now, let's see. I did want to talk a bit about specifically the opener and kind of the decline of a lockdown closer in particular. So the opener itself came out kind of as a strategy. It seems like about two, three years ago from Tampa. I know that teams like Oakland have toyed with it as well. None have really stuck with it like Dave Cash and the Tampa Bay Rays have, though. Um, 
as a guy yourself who is so in tune with relief pitchers, what do you think that that does for Tampa Bay pitching staff? Um, not only just to their relievers, but for other guys who might uh, might not technically start a game, but will pitch the pitch the bulk of a game after an opener comes in. I think it, I mean, it's clearly helped. I don't know what the actual splits are with like Ryan Yarbrough, but like he's definitely pitched better in his career when he's coming in after an opener. So I don't know if it's, you know, is it that the lineup's different? Cause you have like a, maybe you have a righty like Andrew Kittredge. It's open in the game. So, I mean, but the other team knows that Yarbrough is going to get the bulk of those innings. So I don't, I don't know if it's like a, a mental aspect or maybe it's just that he's not he's coming into the game after, you know, not not facing the top, the top of the order. So he's getting the middle of the order twice or three times instead of the top of the order. Um, it's definitely interesting. And for the team like the Rays, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Like they, they could really go. You have glass now and as your one and he's going to start and he's going to do his thing. But like after that, you could almost just like just rotate. Like they have all these guys that go like five to six innings. They can start. They can pitch in the middle between you know McClanahan, Fleming, Yarbrough, uh, Patino. Rich Hill, they just Walker. like Rich, Rich, yeah, Mike now yeah, Walker's roles kind of different now. I mean. They just have so many, like they're just doing so many different things with those those pitchers that, yeah, you know what you never would have like even thought of three years ago, four years ago. But it's just it's working. It's if it's I don't know what it is. If it's like confusing other teams or, I mean, those guys have been super effective in their roles. So, especially you know someone like Fleming who doesn't. Doesn't have the best stuff, doesn't miss a lot of bats, but he comes in and gives you six innings and like allows like one or two runs each, like every time out almost. It's I don't know what it is, what it is, but working out, working as that long reliever, that bulk guy is working for them. For sure. But for it's sure. yeah, you, you don't see if I mean no other teams kind of toyed with it, but no one's really stuck with it like the Rays. Yeah, I'm looking at Fleming's. Uh game log here I, I guess i really hadn't looked at him in particular but he is kind of their go-to guy as far as the, the follower right now um, yeah f- five innings five and a third four and a third six five four five six those are his outings this year yeah he's had two outings where he hasn't given up a run so like he's he's not gonna be your prototypical successful starter, but also he has a 288 ERA. Yeah. <laughs> Which... so, with, with a 14% K rate. So, like you said, he's not, he's not missing bats very often, but whatever they're doing to, you know, give him the best opportunity he can have. It's working. It is. I, if the Rays are one of those teams, maybe the team that like gets the most out of their players' abilities, I feel, and just put it put they they put their guys in spots where they're going to succeed, and this is like 
the prime example of Fleming is <laughs> I don't think if you just rolled him out as a starter every five days, I, I don't think that ERA is at 2.88. It's <laughs> I, but in that bulk reliever role, he's you know super effective. Yeah, it's really interesting because they've also got guys like Colin McHugh and Jeffrey Spring who will no. go out uh, and go out and throw you know thirty pitches instead of their typical like. 10 to 20 of a normal reliever so it's it's super interesting what the rays have figured out how to do it's i feel like they're kind of hacked baseball yeah someone in in the rays front office was like hey guys what if we tried this i I ran the numbers and it's weird but it works (laughs) honestly that's the only like i don't I don't know who I don't know how they came to this, but yeah, that's like that's probably the best explanation I could think of. Like something like that. Like it's literally like they've hacked baseball. Yeah, it just it doesn't really make logical sense. What like you said, I don't know why it works like it does. Avoiding the top of the order is the best I can think. Yeah, but it's really impressive what they've been able to pull off and not only that that i mean they're just so good at development in general yeah like uh pete fairbanks comes to mind mm-hmm. when he came over from texas he had been kind of just a very uninteresting relief guy in the texas uh farm system most recently before he came over to tampa he had uh in 2019 in Texas, he had thrown six and a third innings with an 11.37 ERA. That's what you want yeah. typically. That's great. <laughs> Good job, buddy. But like years before that, 5.79 ERA, 4.88. Like he he wasn't anyone particularly interesting. They bring him in his first year in the bigs. He it still doesn't have a ton of success. He throws 21 innings and has a 6.86 ERA. However, they work with him, and last year he throws 26 and two-thirds innings with 39 Ks and a 270 ERA, and now he's he's sitting at a 186. Like they've they've they are so good at developing their pitching. I think is the other kind of facet of this. I think it's I think it's a big reason why they're one of the few teams who can pull this off. They can get enough guys to make it work. I mean, there's, yeah, you bring up, I mean, Fairbanks is a great example. Um, even before that, you had like, they, Emilio Pagan was, you mm-hmm. know, struggling with the A's. They brought him in, turned him into a lights out closer, and then, you know, get trade him and get some value out of that. Uh, Nick Anderson was breaking out with the Marlins. Then they traded for him, and Nick Anderson became like a stud, like one of the better relievers in baseball. And I feel like that what they just made a, a move very recently with getting JP Fire Eisen who's was breaking out with the Brewers and now the Rays are gone or have him. He's going to just break out even more and become one of those top tier relievers that they just keep developing. It's just a, it's just like a circle of life with them getting, bringing in relievers, getting, getting the most out of them. Yeah. What's even, I hadn't uh, looked at their uh, injured list. Have you seen their injured list recently? Yeah. It's ridiculous what all the talent that yeah. is sitting hurt right now. 
because you mentioned Anderson and I'm like, oh, he's not on this. Oh, is he injured? Yes. Anderson is yeah. out with a torn elbow ligament. Jalen yeah. Beeks had Tommy John. Oliver Drake is out. Colin Poche? Uh, Cody yep. Reed, Chaz Rowe, Yanni Chirinos, Luis Patino, and Chris <laughs> Archer are all on the injured list. Most and, of them on the 60-day IL. The only one of those yeah. that I mentioned that isn't on the 60-day IL is Patino. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of them are out and, long term, and but still the Rays have one of the best bullpens in baseball. And all I'm pretty much yeah, yeah all the guys you just mentioned too they're not like fringe mlb guys like they would all be in their bullpen like they'd be contributing heavily if if healthy so it's yeah it's crazy to see what they're I mean, for for a while they only had i think like kittridge and ryan tom they had they had guys that were you know pitching mop-up duty last year working in setup like a setup rules earlier in the season and they just they were being effective they were getting the job done still they just you know, they take a guy like Jeffrey Springs, who was with the Red Sox last year. Um, his ERA was I don't, I, in the sevens, at least, maybe higher. And then, you know, Springs is having a great year for them. And they just, they're a wagon. They just get the most out of their relief, their relievers. Like, you put, were they put dead them on last year. Uh, Springs had a 7.08 ERA. So yeah. far this year, 3.74. Yeah, like the whip is crazy too. One one eighty two last year, one oh six this year. Oof. Yeah, and I remember last year too because Springs he had like the bad numbers, but he was always at the top of the leaderboard for whiffs. So I'm like, maybe he's you know if he just he's getting hit, he's getting he gets hit, he still gets hit hard, but if he can just you know limit some of that hard contact and like you know stay in the strike zone, he's gonna be legit and. He's had a really good year. Yeah, last year, like you mentioned, uh, top leaderboards for whiffs, he was at a 17% swinging strike rate, which is yeah quite nice. He's only at about a 14.7 this year, but hey, that's still pretty solid. That'll get the job done. Good enough for, <laughs> for a sure. 30% K rate. <laughs> Take it. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's the Rays are such an interesting conversation when it comes to their pitching strategy, their development, etc. Um, and then when I was looking through the bullpen depth charts here, and I am trying to pick out guys who I would, because I'm not nearly as familiar with relievers as you are. When I try to pick out guys who I know are going to be lockdown closers, I go through and I see Chapman, I see Hendricks, I like James Karinchek a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I would have said Iglesias, but he's been rough this year. Uh, yeah. Brad Hand, maybe. Uh, you got Josh Hader. Yeah. Maybe Kenley Jansen. That is the end of the list. <laughs> uh, Everyone um, else are guys that I think would are kind of middling or worse. It's it's funny because like outside of Kimbrel's had a bit of a renaissance. He's he's had a good year, which is nice to see. But outside of that, it's really like the only guys that were on this like on like the closer list three four years ago were Kenley and Chapman. Those are the only two guys that have kind of stuck, you know, and been pretty consistent for the last four or five years. Um, 
But there are, I mean, Matt Barnes for the Red Sox is he's definitely you know, he's changed some things. He's attack he's being more aggressive attacking hitters this year and it's really paid off. He's he's you know, he's getting ahead of getting ahead of counts and that's where he's best because his curveball when guys are 0-2 it's, it's, he, he kind of reminds me right now what he's doing reminds me of like you know vintage Kimbrel where you get down 0-2 1-2 and you just like fastball curveball you have to guess as the hitter and you're going to look foolish if you're if, really foolish if you look if you guess wrong um, so yeah Barnes has been great I mean Ryan Presley's been doing his thing he's hasn't had a ton of save chances which is weird because Houston I don't know. Houston has a decent record, but they just not. He's got when they it, win, they uh, blow guys out a lot. Of it's, time. Yeah, they blow guys out, and then he's also the the kind of the staff and the relievers in, in front of him. I mean, Ryan Stanek had a, he was good to start the year, but he's been kind of kind of sketchy lately. So, but when Presley's been, I mean, Presley's been handling the, the job well. He was a little shaky last year, but this year he's been been good. Um, but then you know. <laughs> Yeah, outside of that, you start getting into like Iglesias, who's, you know, he and Diaz both kind of. I, I, I was looking at Iglesias' numbers, and he's had like four meltdowns like this year, like four bad outings, and two of them were non-safe situations. So, I I give him the benefit of the doubt for that a little bit. Um, which is the same thing. Edwin Diaz is like notorious for non-safe situations. Just he doesn't pitch well in non-safe situations. So. Those two guys, as long as like you know, it's a big time pressure spot. They they actually do perform more often than not, and you know they will get you a ton of strikeouts as well. Um, but then yeah, after that, I that's about it for like closers that I'm comfortable comfortable with at this at this point. I think I might have missed someone. Yeah, I know. Like Will Smith in Atlanta has been. All right. Yeah, that, not great. He's had a couple of meltdowns here and there. I was well, yeah. Since you, you being the Braves fan, I was wondering what your take was on him because he has been he's been kind of like two steps forward. Then all of a sudden, there's like I mean, he had a bad outing against Toronto, which is like you know Toronto does they destroy left-handed pitching. So I yeah, especially kind of gave him a break on that one. Yeah, so I I, I give him a break on that, and he had some walk issues earlier in the year, but. I th- feel like his command's gotten better i still I, I like will smith a lot i think he's he's worthy of being the closer but you know chris martin's back now so that leash probably got a little bit tighter um for him so hopefully he, looking at his game log now uh smith has only had the one blow up against toronto like you mentioned on may 13th yeah. He got one out, but allowed four earned runs. Uh, otherwise, one, two, three, four, five. He's only given up five other runs besides that. One in one inning at a time. No more than one Yeah. Uh, otherwise. So he's been pretty solid overall so far. Like you said, he, had, he was giving up a few too many walks. Uh, since the blow up in Toronto, he has walked nobody. Okay. Yeah. He's not given up a single walk in the last five innings of work. He has been a lot um, better. Yeah. And he's struck out at least one, but usually two guys in each of those innings. 
uh, mm. against Milwaukee twice, the Mets twice, and your Red Sox most recently. Yeah, he was dominant in that outing. He, I'm pretty comfortable with him. I mean, as in general, the closer closers have been pretty good this year. Like to my surprise, because the last couple years, like by this point, it's like there's 15 new closers. Like I'm like scrambling to try to figure out who's closing where. But for the most part, like that top, the guys who were supposed to perform have performed pretty well, with like a few you know minor exceptions. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, there was another one I was just what was I thinking of? Couldn't tell you, but I'll tell you uh, who, I, who I have been, uh, who I've been keeping an eye on is uh, Michael Fulmer. The fact that he is yeah. in a closer role is kind of wild to me, because he had been he had been touted as a starter for his entire career, and I don't know how long they'll keep him in this role, but he's been good so far. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I mean, so he started. I, th- I think he started. Yeah, he started the year in in the bullpen, and he was pitching well. And they're like, yeah, he's pitching well in the bullpen. Maybe we'll you know give him a couple starts. They gave him one or two starts, and it didn't go so well. So they put him back in the bullpen. That's he's been very effective coming out of the bullpen, throwing you know an inning, maybe two at a time. So maybe that's. I mean, it happens with a lot of start- starters, you know that that might be his best spot and he's thriving in it right now. He's closing most of their games. That's so Soto's still kind of lingering. I think he got a save the other night, but, um, Fulmer's numbers as a reliever have looked really good this year. Same with like another, like Tyler Chatwood. I mean, he's been shaky lately, yeah. but like reliever turns to another or starter turn reliever. Who's been very impressive as a reliever. Yeah. I, Fulmer has always been an interesting guy uh, for me in particular. Uh, Nick and I uh, argue about him That's relentlessly. Um, so I've never been a Fulmer fan, but his issue has always been third time through the order. That's yeah. always been his issue when he was a starter. Well, when you're a reliever throwing one or two innings, you're only, you're not going to see this a second time through the order, let alone a third. So it's I'm not terribly surprised that he's having success in this role. He's always had good stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm interested to see what Detroit wants to do with him. Yeah. Because they've they've got other good starter prospects coming up. Casey Mize has been solid recently. Matt Manning should be on his way. And there's a few. Uh, Tarek Skubal is Skubal's now, been good lately. Yeah, doing doing well. So they've got kind of they got some options as far as starters go. Matt Boyd's not been terrible. He's been kind of up and down, but yeah, I, I I can't. I just at this point, I don't really. I can't picture Fulmer going back into the rotation, especially this like if it's not broken, you know, it ain't broke, don't fix it. So keep him. You know, T.J. Antone. That's like a guy who. I kind of love how his role is kind of like been this year going two to three innings at a time. And just maybe that's something Fulmer could do. Like you're not going to go, you're, you're only going to go through the lineup once, like just let him get through the lineup once. And then, you know, pull him after that. Exactly. I think, 
I, I forgot about Spencer Turnbull has also been quite good yeah. this year. Like they've the rotations they, are they right. don't they don't need him as a starter no. is the is the crazy part. Like the the starting rotation in Detroit is not bad. The offense is still terrible. <laughs> yeah. But but the starting rotation is pretty all right with Boyd, Mize, Turnbull, Scooble, and Jose Arrania is Jose Arrania, so we won't talk about him. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, the... I forgot that, you know, I mentioned Matt Manning. They've also got Bo Burrows in AAA yeah. now. Alex Lange, I think is how you pronounce his last name, also in AAA. He's gotten a little bit of a cup of coffee uh, unsuccessfully so far in, yeah. in Detroit, but they've they've got good pitching options right now at the big leagues and coming up soon. So it would not they surprise need... me if this is just kind of who Spencer Turnbull is for them from now on. That's, that's their, their biggest need is bullpen help Oh, outside of their own offense. But <laughs> yeah, the rotation's fine. So at any, like there's no need to put Fulmer back in the rotation. He, they need him like closing out games and finishing games. Yeah, as often as they can get a lead, you know. <laughs> that's yeah, that's true too. <laughs> poor, uh, poor, poor, poor Tigers. Mm. They've been so bad for so long. They they've had you know they've had two first overall picks back to back. So you got Mize is looking better. Hopefully Torkelson can, you know, be up next year, and then things are looking up. Yeah, I am a I'm a big Torkelson fan, so I would. I'm very interested to see how he does. Supposedly they're trying him out at third base. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. I think he's that's, a first baseman. That's where he's going to end up eventually. Like, yeah, sooner rather than later, for sure. Yeah. So hopefully we can see a kind of resurgent, uh, resurgency in Detroit <laughs> because, I mean... As, as a Braves fun. fan, I, I lived through the, the rough times of like the mid-2010s uh, where we were one of the worst mm-hmm. teams in baseball. We had, I endured a lot of Barb's memes. So <laughs> it's 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 nice to now be on the other side with guys, Paid off. Like, yeah. Yeah, guys like Acuna and Ian Anderson and guys like that where we, we, we're now seeing the fruits mm-hmm. that have that – have, you know, been born of all of that uh, toiling. So, hopefully, I'd le- I love to see Detroit yeah. be successful again. Um, because someone has to in the <laughs> AL Central. I know that that was supposed to be the White Sox this year, but injuries are have not been kind to them. Yeah, either. I know they're still winning games, but I you just wonder how like are they a real contender at the end of the day without. Jimenez and Robert and Robert and yeah, I still like the. I, I think that division in like five years, like this is gonna be really good because Cleveland's gonna. I think Cleveland, as long as they don't just, I mean, they'll probably trade Bieber by then. So, <laughs> who knows? But I think that division's looking up with all the prospects in it. Yeah, I mean, Torkelson, Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, are just the first two off the top of my head. I mean. uh there's, uh, I know Minnesota's got a couple of good ones coming up as well. So there's, there's, there's a lot Kirillof's of talent. Good. Yeah, Kirilov was yeah. What I was trying to think of. Yeah, so a lot of talent. It's just got to, got to, got to, you know, take the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Good stuff. Anything else as far as reliever talk you want to get through before we move on to, you know, a lot of reliever based uh, <laughs> questions, questions uh, here? Um, I think we touched on most. I mean, I would, I would just want to draw one more name. I think people should probably look into it. This is Jordan Romano for the Blue Jays because it looks like they, they tried Dolis as their closer. They tried Chatwood for a game as their closer, but looks like Romano's the guy right now, and I don't see him letting go of that job. Um, as long as, I mean, he, he was, he's been pitching very well lately. He was great last year. He was unreal last season. And I think he's the real deal. So if he's, you know, their closer moving forward, that's like that's that could be one of those top tier guys that um could still be available in some leagues. On that note, just a quick tangent. Uh, as a Red Sox fan, are you scared of what's happening north of the border right now? Because that is a potent <laughs> offense. That's yeah. That team. I mean, that team's so fun to watch too. That's they're so it's kinda, fun. Yeah, like I mean, Vlad. I mean, just enough upset with him. Um, yeah, Bichette. I mean, there's. There, I mean, it's the Yankees, Red Sox, and I don't even know how the Yankees are winning games lately. With like they've been banged up too, but the it's Blue a Jays horse race yeah, right the, now. The Blue Jays are gonna be around all year long too. Don't kid yourselves there. So it's. Yeah, I don't know. Someone's some. I feel like someone's gonna fall off. It could definitely be the Red Sox if like their pitching starts to you know turn sour. But yeah, the Blue Jays scare me. The Rays are always gonna find ways to win, and then the Yankees are just the Yankees. <laughs> so correct. Yeah, it's it's very it's one of the more interesting divisions in baseball this year because unlike the the AL Central where there's four teams that are probably like out of it at this point the al east has four teams that are very much in, like going to be competing towards the end yeah uh tampa and boston are both over a 600 winning percentage mm-hmm. uh, uh, new york is only two and a half games behind tampa toronto's only five games back uh baltimore is has a 347 <laughs> winning percentage um but mm. that's baltimore yeah yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch the. I think the, like the AL East, the NL West are gonna be very fun to watch. Uh, the the Central divisions this year, both of them are just kind of meh. Yeah, that's right on the NL side too. Yeah, it's there isn't one team that sticks out there. Yeah, yeah, the Cubs cards are currently tied at the top. Um, yeah, Milwaukee's but- not far behind. I forget what the number was, but the, the, the Cubs have played the Pirates like 21 times this year. So they've, the, <laughs> they've played the Pirates a ridiculous amount of times. So like that's where a lot of their wins are coming from. So we'll see if the Cubs are really, really real. <laughs> yeah. Once they get the, outside uh, of Pittsburgh. I guess uh, the Braves just played a four game series oh, against the Pirates. <laughs> and uh, that was a lot of fun. Dropping, that was a massacre, yeah. <laughs> dropping 20 runs on them in one game was... was yeah. I, the Braves have kind of been off to a slow start this year, and that helped a lot <laughs> as far as, you know, morale for the fans, I think. That was, I think, right before that series, too. I I picked up Austin Riley in a couple fantasy leagues. I'm like, you know, he's got the Pirates this weekend. <laughs> that worked just, out well. 
destroyed them. Yeah. yeah uh, Riley has been on a freaking tear. See if he, see if anyone is willing to buy him. Yeah, I know. That's a lot of swing and miss still there. I think he is. I think Austin Riley might be the biggest sell high right now because yeah. that I think he's got like a 400 something Babbitt. I saw. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so. I know. You know Love the kid, but I don't think he's going to be keeping it up uh, all year. But we're going to move on now because we do like to devote a large portion of the podcast to to answering your questions on the air. So if you have questions for me and my guest each week, you can tweet them to me directly at Bristowski or at on the list PL. Even better, join our PL Plus Discord server. We're happy to grade your trades, offer analysis on players you're wondering about, or answer any of any other number of inquiries now pretty much all of these are gonna be reliever based who would have thunk <laughs> we got our reliever specialist on and people want to know what he has to say so an interesting one here uh one of our moderators on the discord server kyle seiler great guy he wants to know rick how did you get into relief pitchers that's actually a, that's a funny question because I was thinking about that the other day. So when I had first like talked to Nick, the first like time we ever talked, um, I believe I, I think I'm got this right. Uh, he basically said that I could do you know one of two things, which was you know there was an opening for to write about relievers, or I think it was I could help with like the morning stuff. Um, I don't know if it was batter's box back then or what it was or help with the gifts. But, um, you know, I wasn't really a, exactly a pitcher in my baseball career and didn't know a ton about relievers. But I was kind of intrigued by, like, just having control of, like, one of the, you know, of the relievers. And it's kind of like one of the three branches of fantasy baseball hitters, starters, relievers. Like, all right, I'll take one of them. I'll take the relievers and kind of just took it and ran with it and – been enjoying it ever since it's funny too because i had i didn't really know about pitcher list before i started here but i was in a save hold league and i didn't even realize that like i was actually looking at pitcher list holds rankings before i started here so that was like the first place because it, it's it was hard definitely back then it was hard to find like holds rankings because it's this whole saves hold things was kind of, was kind of a new concept so yeah but I was like, yeah, you know, I've actually used this tool. I would love to like help out and like, you know, just continue it and just kind of ran with it from there. That's awesome. I didn't realize that this you just kind of hopped in. Yeah. Kyle did have a second question for you. Uh, what kind of data do you like to look at when you're, you know, analyzing a reliever? Um. So it's a, like before the season starts when i'm putting out like the original rankings i usually i have the i get i put together like a database of like 20 to 30 numbers from like different like from the past year two years three years and kind of get use that as a base for the rankings and then you can't really like early in the season you look more i look more at least towards um like different velocity changes uh changes in repertoire usage changes stuff like that um but then like the big like stats the x stats i kind of look at you start looking at especially for relievers i really believe that like you know if 
the whiffs are a big deal because it's just if you can miss bats, you're going to limit the amount of potential damage against you. So because mm-hmm. all it takes, especially if you're a, a reliever, is a you know bloop and a home run, and then you know you have a blown save and your, your ERA's you know jacked up. So yeah, I I think whiff's a big one, swinging strike, um, K to walk rate too. I I there's so many relievers that walk rates like they're just like they kill me it's like this guy is so close to being like so close to breaking out but he's got a 18 percent walk rate and it's like i don't trust yeah. you because then again it's like a walk and you know a blue pit or a home run and like you blowing a save so that's that's honestly the first place i go when i'm looking at relievers in particular is k minus walk rate yeah that's... um i mean if you look at the leaders right now uh, in as far as 2021, it goes Matt Barnes, Chapman, Karen Check, Hendricks, Hader, Kimbrel. <laughs> that's that's the top six. Pretty accurate as to yeah their actual value. Yeah. After that, it, it gets more interesting names: Iglesias, uh, Austin Adams of yeah. the Padres. He's been good. Cole Sulcer of the uh, of the uh, Orioles. That's Orioles. a surprise one. Yeah, he well it helps that he only has a eight point eight percent walk rate. Mm. Um, let's see, and then it's Rex Brothers who does have a forty one percent K rate, yeah. but has a twelve percent walk rate. So yeah, he's a, with the Chicago Cubs guys. After that, it's guys like Stamen, yeah. Taylor Rogers from Minnesota, Daniel <clears throat> Hudson, etc. So I think it's I think that's a good place to start is K minus walk rate. Definitely one of the, yeah, one of the top three, I would say, um, I've been, and now with CSW leaderboards, I've been using that too. And yeah, that's where that is huge is guys like Taylor Rogers. You mentioned who he, his whiff rate, his swing strike rate's not great, but he's constantly just filling up the strike zone and getting called strikes. And it's, been it's been for the past three years he's been at the top of the called strike leaderboard for relievers so it's you know you could if you're just looking at whiffs and swinging strikes you're gonna kind of miss out on how actually effective taylor rogers is because he's always getting called strikes for sure yeah i didn't realize he and uh yeah hendrix iglesias and uh Craig Stamen and Taylor Rogers, each with a hmm. uh, walk rate below five percent. The first three there are below four percent, which is kind of weird for Iglesias has a walk rate under four percent, but still hasn't <laughs> had a ton of success this year. Yeah, he's been like his his x stats, like his baseball savant page looks pretty nice. It's you know red where you want to see red, and he's just kind of had some bad luck with a couple couple bad outings and especially in two of them more non-save outings so i'm not too like, I'm, I'm still i think he's a great buy low candidate as is you know will smith as we talked before two guys who their era doesn't look great right now but if you can get them for cheap like they're definitely worth rostering still yeah uh a 2.1 sierra for uh for iglesias yeah. and yeah, he has a 341 bat up against. His career average is 282. So I think it, that yeah, it might come down a bit. Of course, relievers is always it's so tricky to analyze relievers because everything they do is in small samples. It is. I, 
BABIPs are so crazy. Like that was the thing when, when uh, Brandon Workman broke out like, in 2019. I'm like, a lot of this stuff looks great, but then like he's only he only allowed like 11 hits that year or something. I'm like this, there's no way he's gonna not he's gonna allow just like 11 hits next season. Like there's some, but but some guys they just have a naturally low BABIP because. I think I haters Babbitt's always pretty low and he, it hasn't really affected him yet. Guys who are just like that good, like whereas like then you have like Edwin Diaz always has a high Babbitt and I always think like oh it's gonna come it's gonna eventually come down, it's gonna eventually come down, it hasn't come down. But so and then some other guys are just all over the place with their Babbitt and you can't really get a good read. Yeah, uh I just looked it up. Haters career Babbitt is two twenty five. Yeah. Last year in how many innings did he throw last year? 19 innings. So again, small sample size, yeah. 19 innings of a 161 BABIP. Yeah. That's wild. That's... But he was dominant last year. 19 innings, 31 Ks. It's weird. He lets up, so that's what I don't understand because he, and then you go to like Savant and he lets up a lot of hard contact. Like he's always, his barrel rate's usually pretty high and, but, I don't know. He just he's usually missing bats, but when he's not missing bats, I don't know if it's luck or if he's just like getting deep fly, like big flyouts. I don't know. Well, he also walks just, quite a few guys in general. He does. Um, yeah. Last year was a 12.8 percent walk rate, eleven point one so far this year. So a lot of the guys that do reach uh, reach via the walk rather than getting yeah. a hit against him. Because he usually strikes out almost half the batters he faces, so that exactly. That's why. Um, that's yeah. So, Kyle was asking, do you do you think the stat inherited runners allowed matters? And Carlos Marcano, one of our um, pitcherless writers here, was wondering what you think about relief wins. So, <laughs> there's two interesting reliever stats there for you: inherited runners allowed and wins from relievers. What are your thoughts on kind of each? Um, so I actually, I used to look at like inherited runners, um, allowed, it was part of the formula I used to use in the past, like to, uh, rank relievers in the off season, but it's hasn't really been very, it hasn't been very effective and, you know, it's not really correlating to pitcher, like relievers future success. It's kind of... I don't know. It's not really something that it's an interesting in season stat stat. Maybe if you're like, if you're torn between a reliever on like the Padres and another team, and maybe you notice like Craig Stammen's inherited relievers allowed is very high. So maybe it like kind of makes you want to back away from another Padres reliever. But as far as it like having a big correlation to the reliever itself, I don't really think it, does um for relief wins i kind of like how we i think we touched on having a new relief stat i mean i don't i don't like wins to begin to begin with um but i guess in a sense in standard leagues wins gives a reliever a chance to have to like a a random reliever to have more value um than they would so but it's just such a random and unpredictable stat and especially like the the closers who get the I just blew a save only to get a win like win you know like that's annoying because you don't deserve that <laughs> that win so 
I don't know, either change the win stat or just don't use it for fantasy purposes. Okay. You've uh just real quick here, yeah. if you there are three relievers who have five wins or more so far this year. <sighs> Try to name them. <laughs> it's going to be super random, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, we have talked think... about one of them uh, today. Okay. In Tampa. Tampa. Is it? Oh, um, yeah. I actually was looking through. Is it? Is it Kittredge? It is. He has five wins so far. <laughs> Because uh, I know there's two. Yeah. One of them is in Oakland. The other is in Texas. Oakland and Texas. Oakland would be Petit. It is. Seems no. Petit. He it has. Yeah. It is. He is leading relievers in wins. He has six wins so far this year. He like. I feel like he's always getting wins. He's that reliever that just gets wins. The way he like the way they use him. He's always in tie games or. Um, but the guy in Texas. I have never heard of this player. It's been, he's been is pretty it Josh good Spores? so far. It is John King. John King, okay, yeah. John King has five wins. Uh, he also has two holds in his 24 innings pitched. He's got a 225 ERA, 133 whip with only an 18% K rate. Again, I had never heard of John Kings <laughs> before I went to look up who was leading relievers in wins. So there you go. Clearly a very list, viable yeah. stat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think don't look at wins as far as trying to rank relievers. But whenever one of your relievers that is on your team uh, gets a win, just uh, do a little do a little happy dance and feel good about it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice little extra bonus. Yeah. Just kind of, just kind of cake there. Yeah. Now, uh, Steve Giswelli was wondering uh, if you think that the new standard for baseball, our fantasy baseball, should be the saves plus holds rather than just saves. And I you think and I talked about QRO, yeah. but before until we for, can get that popularized. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it should be at this point. Um, yeah, like as we talked about, maybe we need to find a little bit of a better stat because saves plus hold it's kind of like this is kind of like wins. But uh, it would be just it'd be nice to see non-closer relievers, you know, valued in standard leagues. And I think it would be it would be great for the sport, too. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of people who play in strictly save only leagues and don't quite realize how great someone like, you know, Gio- Giovanni Gallegos is. And in standard leagues, you're basically saying that yimmy garcia is the better pitcher than like giovanni gallegos and i just i don't think that's factual in real life so like being able to find a way to you know get him like gallegos chad green um trevor may drew pomeranz when he's healthy like those guys are very very important to their teams and would be great to see that that like you know pay off in fantasy leagues yeah in the uh in the one in my dynasty league, we do use uh, saves plus holds. Looking at the leaders there, it goes Mark Melanson, Tyler Rogers, uh, Alex Reyes, Jake McGee, Blake Trinan, and then Victor Gonzalez of yeah. the oh. Dodgers. 
So yeah, you get some interesting names that, and all, I mean, how far down do I have to go before I find someone that's not owned? Uh, I have to scroll down to someone with nine saves plus holds. Tanner Scott is the first guy I can find that isn't owned. That was like a good 30 relievers down or so. Yeah. So this is a deep dynasty league to be fair, but all the, in, in a league like this, everyone has value. I mean, AJ Minter, Lou Trevino, Mm -hmm. Mike Myers are all owned. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, it, it changes a lot of your draft strategy too. There's not as big of a, uh, there's a much, much smaller emphasis on guys like Araldus Chapman, um, those lockdown relievers you you're not going to see josh Hader going in like the sixth round yeah. in a league like this because like i said tyler rogers it has 16 saves plus holds so what if he probably was free in that league yeah it's <laughs> for sure so yeah it's it's one of those things where it it, it opens up the player pool quite a bit mm-hmm. makes it a, a lot less frustrating and uh i think it's it better reflects where the game is at nowadays as well. So I think I'd be fine with that being the overall standard. Yeah. It, op- so. it, it opens up, you know, you, you recognize more players and more names and just, it, I don't think Josh Hader should be drafted in the sixth round either. Like I want to, it's kind of, I don't want to say like, you don't put it, you shouldn't put an emphasis on relievers, but it's like, get your starters and get your bats like early. And then, like we can we can wait a little bit later on relievers and that's probably where you should be waiting <laughs> taking relievers that was a great segue into our last <laughs> question here from uh, one of our supporters on the PL plus discord server that is Pete Dixon Pete's wondering how do you Rick typically draft relievers and is that close or sorry is that changing as the closer <laughs> role gets less defined so, um, a little bit this year, I, I usually like to do kind of what John, you know, we talked with John Metzler and how he, you punt saves, take a couple lottery tickets at the end and, you know, pick up a bunch of guys on waivers and see what sticks. Um, but this year, cause there was such a, there's only like 10 or so closers that you really feel comfortable with. And so this year I kind of wanted to make sure I got one of those like second tier, um, you know, the Chapman Diaz Presley kind of area. I wanted to make sure I got one of those Iglesias, um, one of those types. And then, you know, you get, you get your one dude and then you kind of just wait until the end of the draft, take a couple shots, throw some darts. Um, and then just, play the waiver play the waiver game which it's really it can be frustrating because it's you know you, I've, especially in like an, i know in our league i've been picking up guys like all right maybe he's gonna take control of the closer job and then like doesn't and so you just gotta keep you just gotta keep going at it until you get someone who sticks um but yeah i don't i don't like wasting like high a lot of if you're doing you know if it's an auction i don't like wasting a lot of money on closers or if you're just in a in a you know snake draft i think you take one early and then you just you know forget about it (laughs) till the end yeah i 
it makes me think of the piece that Fast has done the past few years on mm-hmm. your drafting saves wrong. A hundred percent, yeah. That's the, a great, yeah. That's a great. If anyone who hasn't read that at this point, I don't know what you're what you're doing, but <laughs> that's definitely something to look at. Yeah, there's there's so few guys who are going to maintain a consistent role as a closer from opening day until October. That's it. There's so few who are going to be able to do that. I, if I had to guess how many closers are going to get 30 saves this year, three, four, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe I, maybe more like it's, I think, yeah, there's, there's like Alex Reyes has 14, I think. And, He's on a good pace, but I could definitely see that something happening there where he doesn't get the thirty saves. He's walking. He's walking a bunch of guys. He, like he's got, you know, he's got injury history. It's like he's no guarantee to get thirty saves. Yeah, I mean, Mark Melanson is leading the way right now with seventeen, and that's yeah silly. That's a silly thing that's happening. But I think guys like Chapman, Kimbrell, Hader, and Jansen have got a good shot. They're mm-hmm. all at 11 right now. Um, Ian Kennedy has had a nice resurgence, and I would love to see the Braves trade for him. Makes sense. That'd be a, that'd be a <laughs> great addition to the Atlanta bullpen. For sure. That's, uh, a, good, that's a good idea, yeah. Barnes, and, Barnes has 11 as well as Kennedy. Jake McGee has 11, but he's no longer in the closer role. So, yeah, like, exactly. he got – he Jake McGee was keeping pace with guys like Chapman, Kimbrell, and Hayter. They are all tied with 11 saves. But McGee is not the closer in San Francisco anymore. He yep. he might not get five more saves the remainder of the year. All because it he is, had yeah, three bad outings. <laughs> yep. Like, and you're gone. And that's it. That's, yeah. that's all it takes sometimes if you don't – have the, like the reputation that someone like yeah. Chapman or Hater has. So it's, it's very uh, difficult to make it all the way through in, in our uh, current baseball era where everyone is stockpiling guys that can throw, you know, 97 miles an hour and <clears throat> someone is going to be good in your bullpen at any given time. And so if it's not the guy you're trusting for saves, well, maybe we should give this other guy a shot. That's so I, I had looked at before the year started, how it's really pointless to kind of to draft. Like, so if you're looking at preseason closer rankings, anyone's not just mine, like usually the top 12 guys, that's where you, if you don't, if you don't get one of those top 10 or 12, like you're better off just punching it. Cause the rest of that list is like, I mean, that's why like Rafael Montero was going so high this year. I'm like, don't, just don't waste, don't waste your time with Rafael Montero. And then Kendall Graveman comes from out of nowhere. And all of a sudden Kendall Graveman's this great reliever and he's their closer now. It's, it's unless the guy is locked in like Kenley Jansen, Chapman, Hader. It's just to stay away and undraft day. Exactly. That's like I said, that was my strategy in the Legacy League this year, and so far I've I've gotten one guy <laughs> oh, that has actually been giving me saves, but we're still in May. Exactly. So, yeah. Especially in a head-to-head league, I think. Yeah. It's, 
very easy to punt saves. Head to like I think we should probably should have mentioned this before yeah, we were true. just about done. Head to head leagues, it's super duper easy to punt saves because you're just you're just losing one category each week. Mm-hmm. If you and can then, win, if you can win the others, you're fine. And yeah, you just throughout the year like take a chance on waivers on a guy guys here and there and eventually like ideally by the end of the year once the playoffs you might have you know three closers that you can roll out and look at that i pay nothing for these three guys exactly maybe maybe by the time you know august rolls around i'll have tyler rogers who will still be great maybe Mm -hmm. uh Maybe Hater gets traded and Devin Williams is giving me saves. Maybe I'm able to grab one more guy off the waivers who I've never heard of at this point, but you probably have. So <laughs> there's a there's a good chance that even though I started the year off with zero closers and I have one in May, by the time, you know, September rolls around, I could have four. Yeah, like you and you had Gayagos too, who I could see overtaking that role at some point if they do something different with Reyes or if Reyes continues to put people on base the way he is. Um, or even you said, Hey, drafted Chris Martin. That's another guy. Like if Will Smith has another, you know, bad outing or two, Martin's getting saved. So yeah, it's just a super volatile position. And yeah, not, I think, uh, I think Gallegos and Martin were the last two picks of my draft. So I, I invested almost nothing into them. In yeah. As well, so I was just like, you know, no one's thinking about Chris Martin because <laughs> why would you? But the Braves didn't have a, didn't hadn't committed to any closer so far. It's been Smith, but is what it is. I think you you drafted Gallegos. I think like right before I was thinking about taking him, and then I ended up taking Jordan Hicks, and that didn't work. But so <laughs> <laughs> we 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 yeah. both missed. But Gallegos is still useful for I mean good ratios K's. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I've uh, I have not taken him out of my lineup once this year. He's he's still giving me the ratios, which is great. So without the hat. Exactly. All righty, man. That's about all I've got. Do you have any uh, have any closing thoughts for us here? No pun intended. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't think so. I, that, that was. I mean, thank you for having me. That was that was a blast. A fun time. It's always a good time here on the list. So one more time, where can the people find you on Twitter? It's at I am Rick Graham on Twitter. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Rick, once again for joining me. Like I said, it's taken us way too long to make this happen, but we finally got you Mm -hmm. here. So thank you once again. And for my guest, Rick Graham, myself, Austin Bristow, this has been On The List. Thank you.